A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you Impress No Glue Press On Manny's and Impress Press On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. This episode is sponsored by Try Vegan, a vegan meal home delivery service that is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out of New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com. And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Today, I'm talking with marketing genius, Brendan Kane. We partner with Brendan to help us get our message out into the world because we truly believe everyone needs to be educated about how to move better in their bodies. Today, we're going to explore a little bit of Brendan's story and how he became the marketing genius that he is. Welcome, Brendan. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Sure. So can you first start off, um, tell us a little bit about how you got into marketing. Like, was this something that you thought about as a kid? I don't even think I knew what marketing was when I was probably not up until recently. <laughs> like, how did you find this pathway? I mean, I you know, looking back at, at myself as a young kid, I don't think that I ever saw myself as marketing or understood it. But from the very earliest age, I can, or at least I don't remember this from my parents telling me that when I was like six years old, I would walk around the neighborhood, knock on neighbors' doors and try and sell them my toys to make money. So I, <laughs> I think that there's been, whether it's marketing or entrepreneurship ingrained in my DNA since, since the very beginning. And then I don't think it really took shape until I went to college. Uh, so I initially went to film school because I wanted to learn the business side of film. I wanted to produce produce movies. And as soon as I got to film school, I realized they don't really teach you anything about business there. So I figured the best way to learn about business is really start your own. And the most cost-efficient way at the time, and it still holds true today, is to create internet companies. So I created a few internet companies while I was going to college just to learn and experiment. And I think that that's really when the marketing side and the business side really tar- started to, to take form. So when you say you created... What, is it, what do you mean by internet company? Like, yeah, so the, these were very small things. Like I created like a, a internet traffic driving uh, service with a friend of mine, created an email marketing platform, um, some high-level consulting stuff as well. So it was really more about experimenting and learning than me trying to get rich or build like a huge business. No, I believe that. I think the really geniuses, for lack of a better word, but that's really what I think when your your craft is so, it's so hardwired, it's so natural, and then you're driven on top of it. But I think kind of all geniuses have this, this knack for like wanting to explore and be curious and it isn't driven by the money. Of course, if you're successful, then that's great. And it's just reaffirming. But did you, do you find that you even then you were walking around like 
problem solving. I feel like it's a lot of critical thinking and problem solving, like looking for like ways that you can help people just throughout the day, just walking around, popping, popping ideas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of the, the core thesis that I've developed over the past 15 years of helping people stand out, whether it's myself or working with you and your company, is how are you creating value for others? How are you not problem solving for yourself, but problem solving for your for your core consumer or the audience that you're trying to acquire? And the more the more that myself and my team think that way, the more success we have. And the same with clients. And I, I and I feel like a lot of people struggle with marketing because they're almost thinking about the problem that they want to solve for their business or for themselves rather than looking at the larger audience that they're trying to attract. And is that the thread line that you look for when you're speaking with anyone? Because I think it's pretty amazing to have the marketing skills to look at any type of profession and be able to help a person without really even necessarily knowing a lot about the profession. Is the thread line you're always looking at like, where, what is the overall need in that profession or how else do you look at it? Yeah, so definitely looking at the overall need of... So when I work with the client, first and foremost, I'm looking at and doing the same thing that we're talking about for the larger audience is I'm looking at the individual and what does their business need to grow. So that's the first place is what is this person? And this is regardless of whether you're just starting out with a business or if I'm working with the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, or even a celebrity, I need to understand who that person is and what they need, what, they're, what they perceive their challenges to be so that I can help craft a, a solution that meets that. Um, but then secondarily, then once I understand that, then I can dive in and understand, okay, wh- who are the consumers that they're trying to reach? What are their needs? Um, what are the outcomes that they're looking for? And then third, and almost most importantly, how can we contextualize that service, that product in a unique way so that you're not saying the same thing as everybody else? We had this in, in our private strategy session together is with yoga. There has, it's been talked about for thousands of years. If you type yoga into Google, you'll probably get a billion results that come up. So how can you contextualize your brilliance, what differentiates you that also ties to the consumer's outcome? So at a high level, it, it's pretty simple, the process, but it's not easy to execute on because there's so many different variables that have to fall into place for it to hit and, and resonate at scale. And how do you decide on those variables? Is this just like a little bit trial and error and over the years you've seen consistently taking a certain kind of ladder of steps is the most successful or does it really vary based on the individual? Yeah, so it's definitely it's definitely varied by the individual, but the the, the fundamental framework stays the same. And um, so we developed a five step framework that I break down in in my next book, Hook Point, uh, that helps shape that. But at the same time, like we're dealing with fifteen years of experience of doing this, so we've seen so much of what works, what doesn't, uh, and through testing, like. Uh, we always start with a hypothesis of what you know. What are the ways to connect with consumers and and uh, differentiate yourself? But then we always test it. Like the beauty of the world that we live in today is, you can quickly test something and know within a few hours or a few days whether or not it's working. 
And I feel like a lot of people that struggle is they just try and push. They just keep pushing the same angle and trying to make it work instead of saying, listen, this is not working. Maybe we need to adjust it or maybe we need to go in a different direction. Uh, So just to recap, yes, there is a framework and a process that we follow and developed, um, but we're dealing with a tremendous amount of experience. And that experience is really fueled by testing and learning because that's really going to tell you what is going to push your brand, your product, or your service forward. And this is why I think it's so important if, you know, when and if you can hire somebody to get an outside eye, because unlike like the movement experience world where we also test things and then we have, you know, hard data to support it, but sometimes that is, that takes decades to get. It's unlike what the, the tools you have in marketing now, where you have real numbers, real data very quickly. And I think we can all get kind of in our, in our own rut of like what we think everybody should be wanting to look at. And here you've hired somebody like you or, and you can get the number, like the real evidence super quickly in, in a way that you can't get in other ways. Like, like, again, like I'm saying in my world where things kind of sometimes take a while to either work or not work in the movement world. Did you have a background in computer understanding and literacy? I don't think I had really a background in it. I do remember like I think it was early as like a four, fourth grade of being on the first ever PC computers. So it's not like today where young kids are growing up with iPads and uh, apps and things of that nature. But I did grow up a little bit on computers. I just... Where I think that I really dove into it is in that college experience of creating these internet companies. Because again, I didn't have the luxury of opening up a retail store because I didn't have the funding to do it. I didn't have the knowledge or the expertise versus being online. And the reason I love kind of just digital and social in general is like literally you could start something in a few hours and get it up and running and learn that way. So that's where I really connected with it is through those college experiences. And once I saw the power of it and the ability for me to control my destiny of creating something and not having to rely on uh, huge overhead or huge companies to build something. That's where I just kept diving in deeper and deeper and deeper into it uh, because I could actually tangibly create myself or find people easily that can help me develop anything that I wanted to build. And how much were you, or at least early on, I know you're very, uh, you know, now you're very wanted and people find you, but early on, how did you find your customers, your clients? Did you do a lot of hustling or was it an organic find through friends? So it, it, it's, it, it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning of, of really understanding what people's needs and outcomes that they were looking for. And uh, so after I graduated college, I moved to LA to pursue a career in film and started working for a movie studio. And like anybody else, I started at the bottom. I started as assistant making coffee and copies and and deliveries and things of that nature. But again, I had grand aspirations to to produce movies. So I knew I needed to find that unique angle to get in. So what I always do and where I always start is I just listen. I just listen to what people have to say. I I try and ask questions where I can, uh, but just collecting as much information as possible. So uh, where it started to take shape is... Uh, a few 
different ways is the president of the studio. I heard one day as I was delivering scripts is like, he didn't understand why the young assistants didn't come from him or come to him and ask him questions because he had valuable insight and advice. So as soon as I heard that, I would wait out outside his office every day and walk him to his car when he wasn't busy or talking on the phone and would just ask questions. And uh, initially, again, I thought my value was going to be a young producer finding scripts and stuff. But I just realized that that was very saturated. There's tens of thousands of young professionals wanting to be producers. Uh, so I quickly shift, shifted gears of talking about how social media and digital platforms, because this was very early on, this was like 2005, 2006, could help effectively promote movies. Uh, and that caught his eye because the entertainment industry started to reawaken to digital after the dot-com bust at that time. And then you know, I started to have conversations with him. And then I would get introduced to directors, screenwriters, producers through that uh, as that value started to kind of bubble up because I was really the only person talking about these things even though that I was super young, people were willing to listen because they didn't have that expertise or knowledge. So again, it was just really listening to understand what people's needs were, uh, what their challenges were. And then I would test different stories, different hooks into those conversations to see which ones landed. And then I think... I don't remember the exact time frame, but it's probably in less than like 16 or 18 months, I went from an assistant to developing the first digital division for the studio. Mm. Wow. Right. I think that's, that's such great advice, listening and observing, you know, like, yeah, looking for the entry points, looking for the places where people need help or just sounded like that guy just wanted to have uh, some kind of position of being a mentor. You know, it's not just enough to be the head honcho, you you want some energy exchange between people like yourself that were younger and more new to the business. I, 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 it's so great when you have those those people in your life and you can remember them because obviously he he or she I think you said he just had like didn't even probably know what um, an impact that had. Now fifteen years later, definitely, and also that art of listening can be done in so many different ways today. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to be in person listening to somebody. You could be running a test like a Facebook ad or a landing page or speaking on stage and just test different languages and and get answers in different ways. So when I say this word, listen, it doesn't necessarily have to be a verbal thing. It could be data coming to you or other feedback loops that help you kind of really understand, are you on the right track? I think, and I think that again is so important, especially as the owner or founder of any company, small or big, that you don't get too attached to your own ideas, that you listen to what other people are suggesting. Because I've seen this in a variety of places. I'm, I'm sure you have as well this kind of founder syndrome, this inability to uh, expand from your original idea that is kind of self centered and not listening not getting feedback, not making those adaptable changes that are needed because all companies need it to grow and be successful. Yeah. And at all levels, for example, when I started working with Katie Couric, you know, she had had 25 years of interview experience, you know, being on the biggest TV shows. But when she moved to this digital first strategy uh, with the partnership with Yahoo, she realized she needed to shift because her content was, was no longer reaching her fans and the masses in the way that it would through television. 
So her, her brilliance and what I give her tremendous credit for is being open to learn of how to shift direction. And you know, we spent two years working together and helped reshape what it meant to interview. I mean, we basically reverse engineered the art of the interview specifically for digital platforms. Now, if she had gone in and said, no, I'm not changing my ways, then there's no way I could help her. And there's certain people that I run into, like there was a major rock star from the 70s that was just that wanted me to work with him, but he was so stubborn on his approach that I was like, I can't, I can't help you. And, it, and we ingrained that into our business. We're learning every day. We're seeking how do we get better? How do we get smarter? How do we get more, more effective, not only for ourselves, but for our clients? And I think those are the people that are really setting themselves up for success today that adopt that mindset. And the people that are setting themselves up for failure are, are too attached to their idea of who they are, what they're about, what their products or services are, and, and not shifting their ways. Now, the work that we do with people, we never change who they are, what their brand or their product is. It's more about contextualizing it in a different way. Uh, so there's, there's a, a famous quote that says, it's not what you say, it's what people hear. And that's oftentimes the problem that needs to be shifted is just the way that you communicate who you are and what you're about. Not necessarily, there are instances where business models and things need to shift, but typically I would say nine out of 10 times, it's, it's more about how you position yourself and uh, differentiate how you speak about your products or your services. I love that. And I can relate to this so much. I think this is another reason I was really drawn to you is this idea of like being able to witness what, like what I'm doing and what the yoga world is doing and seeing that what might've worked for people or what they thought worked 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, isn't working now. And the people that are really ready for the, uh, to change the way they're practicing and they're teaching are the ones I'm finding are, are feeling more successful because they're listening to their bodies, they're listening to their students, and they're finding that some of these old yoga um, techniques are just not practical or sustainable. On that note, I'd love to segue into your own experience with yoga. Can you talk a little bit about, I know you've practiced yoga before, what, were you, what did you find? Yeah, so we were actually talking about this before, is that, is that when I was practicing it, I really enjoyed that. I mean, just the art of of moving and opening up the body was uh, tremendously helpful for me. The issue that I ran into is I've got uh, a shoulder industry, industry all, injury all the way since childhood birth. And that would limit the poses and the other things that I could do. And where I struggled was finding yoga instructors that could really understand that, or at least try to understand that to help to, to ensure that I don't hurt myself. So I had to take a step back from that because I, I was struggling to find a yoga instructor that could work within the, you know, the, the boundaries that I had you know, with my shoulder. And look, she found you. <laughs> um, now, I'm, I'm wondering in your experience of yoga and having an idea about how it is practiced and how it's practiced you know, by you know, multi-millions of people, where do you find the gaps that people, like a yoga teacher, where does a yoga teacher need to go to help themselves with marketing? I think that people get really into yoga, they learn about yoga, and then they come out and they want to share it, just like myself. So how can somebody who is 
teaching yoga best get their message out, get best market themselves? Do you have like three tips? Absolutely. So it depends on the level that you want to play at. You know, there's some people that just want to do local and just attract people to their in-person classes. Obviously, that's on hold with COVID right now, but I'm sure that eventually that's going to open back up. Or are you looking to play on a national or global level and attracting people to courses or online coaching or or things of that nature? Uh, When you're doing local, it's far easier because your level of competition is minimal. There's not that many yoga studios or instructors in a specific geolocation or zip code. Are there some? Yes. Um, But the level of competition is a lot easier. And with that, I would just go... There's a few different avenues that I would take if I was a local yoga yoga instructor is, A, what are the the local advertising platforms that you could use? Um, Whether it's local newspapers or Yelp, or maybe even like Google search. Now, any type of paid advertising that you're doing, you have to know the numbers of your business. And this is the biggest uh, mistake that I see a lot of companies make, whether they're a small business or a huge corporation, is understanding what is the lifetime value of your customer. So if you sign somebody up today, what that means is how much are they going to pay you over the average lifetime of working with you? And then once you have that base calculation, then you can determine how much money am I willing to spend to acquire that client. So let's just play with some rough numbers. Let's just say the projected lifetime value of somebody signing up for your yoga studio or your class is $500. Okay, so now we know the lifetime value is $500. Now, how much are we willing to spend to acquire that client? Maybe it's $50. Maybe it's $100. Now you have a a base foundation that you can start spending money to see if you can acquire a client for that amount of money. And then once you've found a channel, whether it's Yelp, Google, or some other local uh, local advertising avenue, then you can scale it and see how much money can I spend until that formula breaks. And if you adopt that mindset, you are going to be light years ahead of any other yoga studio, unless you're like a yoga works or a major chain, which even with that, I don't know if they have those fundamentals built in. They may, but that's going to put you light years ahead of your competition. Secondarily, if you're dealing with the local market, what are some strategic partnerships that you can work with? Are there local spas or restaurants where you can promote uh, your products and you promote for them? Or maybe you create some partnership. Like if there's local hotels going and speaking to the concierge, can you go do classes for them or can they refer people to you? Uh, And just thinking strategically that way. Now, if you're looking at how do I play on a national or global level, because you want to build a brand or you want to do online courses or things of that nature, that's when you really have got to start thinking about how do I separate myself from the crowd? Because there's so much information. There's so many different yoga uh, brands and companies and instructors that you're competing against. And that's where this concept of like a hook point and differentiating yourself comes into play. And I'm not going to reveal the secrets that we mapped out for you on this podcast. But that's a lot of the work that we did is how can we differentiate you and uh, your brand or product in a way that nobody else is doing. So oftentimes I think about what is the complete opposite messaging of other people like subverting expectations or how can you go in the back door to acquire acquire, huge clients or partnerships while everybody's waiting in line through the front door. 
So that's kind of just some high level suggestions that I would you know start to think about when you're trying to grow your the marketing of your yoga practice. I mean, that's brilliant just right there for anyone listening, for my teachers that are listening, for other yoga teachers. And and you know, this could go across for personal trainers, for other um, movement specialists who are in a market that seems saturated. And I always say it's it, it's saturated and I don't, don't think that is a negative thing. That just means a lot of people are loving it. But yeah, you, these kind of hook points, these areas of like differentiating yourself become that much more important. And I wish earlier on, I had um, a, have had my yoga studio for eight years and a lot of it was just organic. I had so much organic growth, word of mouth. Word of mouth is huge. You know, you want this kind of great religious space who just love what you're doing. But uh, it took me a couple of years before I really started collaborating with individuals in town. It's a small town, but if I, I wish I'd done that earlier. Some of it was just bandwidth. I just didn't feel like I had <laughs> I had like that space, you know, to to go and network and all of that. Um, but even if it's one, you know, group, if you if you're if you have a local studio or or you're just a private yoga teacher and you're moving around in your town, just like Brendan said, going to a hotel, going to a Lululemon, going to somewhere that uh, a spa where you have some kind of common juncture and that you can network together. And that's really powerful because a lot of people just get burned out by the, you know, pounding of the pavement, trying to differentiate themselves, trying to like have their voice and just feel like it gets muffled. Now in the online world, you have written a book called One Million Followers. I think it's called. Yeah, so we have one million followers, and then the second book, Hook Point: How to Stand Out. In a- yeah, I mean, I think you could read anybody could read like ten pages of it and just be like, "This is worth the price alone." But tell me a little bit about how you came up with this idea, and it was, was it like you were? It's a hypothesis. Like I'm going to try this and get a million followers. You didn't have a million followers, right? And that's and you just basically are leading us through how to get that. So in the exact same process that we've been talking about is the process that I took is that I knew that I wanted to to work with people on a global scale and really help them realize their their dreams, their career goals and aspirations. But I knew I needed a strong hook to bring people in. And I had thought about doing a book as a foundation for a few years, but I just didn't feel like I had that hook that was really solid. So I started working with uh, some professional athletes and some celebrities and journalists, helping them grow their following because it it had a a significant impact on their earning potential uh, from sponsorships and partnerships and other business opportunities. So as I was getting into that, I was developing some systems and methodologies to achieve that and. That's when it seeded the idea in my head is like, okay, if I can do this for the biggest brands and celebrities on the planet, what about people starting from scratch? What about people starting from zero? Because that's what I would hear uh, from people. It's like, oh, it's great you worked with MTV or Taylor Swift or Katie Couric, but can you actually help people that have you know little to no audience or following? And then I knew I could generate a million followers in 30 days. The question was, why? And the answer was that it was a strong enough hook that would allow me to close a literary agent and a publishing deal. And through that, I knew that I could leverage that hook to drive you know, awareness to the information that I really wanted to teach people. So it was 
a matter of knowing I could do it, but why I should should do it. And once I had that why, which was the hook, because if you type in business strategist or digital marketing, it's the same as yoga. It's super saturated and super crowded. So I knew I needed a way to differentiate myself, hook people's attention to have a larger conversation with them. I feel like this is like a David Blaine magic trick. Like 30 days, a million followers. That's that's insane. So everyone um, should buy that book. It's, I think, I, you just give so much information. You know, I've I've looked at and I've give, been given free marketing, all you know, books and programs, and I'll sometimes do them and sometimes not. And inevitably, I don't even get through much of it because I feel like it's so much yacking. Like there's just a lot of uh, just noise that isn't relevant. And what I ha- just immediately loved about what you had is it was like right to the point. You know, there wasn't it. it, you, it you just um, yeah, I could I could go on and on about you. But if people can't work with you in person, what are your suggestions? Like doing reading that book and then your upcoming hook point. Yeah, I honestly would start with the new hook point book first, because I think it gives you a very solid foundation of how to differentiate yourself and maximize the potential of digital and social platforms. Uh, Because like, listen, like the 1 million followers book, tremendous information, not just for myself, but other growth experts in the world. Like I think collectively through all of us, we've probably generated over a hundred million followers and done well over 50 billion views, if not more. Uh, But again, it's like, Generating followers is only half the battle. It's like what you do with them and how you maximize the potential. And that's where really differentiating yourself, understanding what your hook point is as an individual or a brand, and also the hooks around your different products and services. So I think that really from a foundational standpoint, starting with the hook point book and then going to the 1 million followers book after that. And I'm just curious, we uh, we know the advantages of growing a social media base because it certainly gets more eyeballs on whatever we are doing, whatever we're promoting, our individual brands. But what would you say are the real drawbacks of social media? Like in particular, I'm thinking Instagram because that's the main one I'm on. Well, there's there's quite a few. I mean, I can just definitively tell for myself when I spent eight or nine months really studying the platform is you get sucked into it. It becomes addictive. And uh, I mean, it's designed to do that. I mean, that's how they make money is keeping you coming back to platforms more and more. I would say that also is really understanding why you're growing a social following. Uh, And that's where it's like, I'm on the third edition of the 1 Million Followers book. And the third edition, I really started off by saying, listen, you need to understand why you're doing what you're doing. Because if you don't have a clear goal, you're going to give up because it's hard. It's hard work. And also understanding the difference between growing a following and using ads to acquire leads and revenue. And typically, when I'm working with clients that are small businesses or companies that need that short-term cash infusion or just need to, to scale the profitability is like, let's not focus on followers right now. Let's focus on the lead generation campaigns, sales and revenue, and then reinvest into followers. Because oftentimes, people will say or think that, hey, if I just get... 50,000, 100,000, a million followers, all of a sudden, I'm, the money's going to be flowing in. Can that happen? Yes, but typically it doesn't. It takes time to, to cultivate that following to actually purchase from you. So you know, there's the psychological component. And then also, it's just the business application and really understanding what it means to drive 
followers versus like paid traffic and understanding your business and your and why you're doing what you're doing. I, I think that's the other thing that I really um, connect with you on is understanding the why. This is so relevant in the yoga world and in the yoga teaching world because so many yoga teachers get out there. They've been given you know, some training on how to run a class, how to move and all that, but they don't understand the why, like why you want to offer certain movement patterns, why you want to be able to uh, know enough about the body so that you can modify for the individuals like yourself that might have um, special circumstances. And similarly, if they don't, if you don't understand the why, at some point, it, it's very not only discouraging, it's just not satisfying and you want to leave it because it's just... So I think that's a big message too, is whatever you're doing, whether it's you're teaching yoga, you're running some other business and, and you're trying to grow it, is, is know the why. And I really appreciate your thoughts on that. So it's not like this quick term fix, but really for the long term, looking at um, the sustainability, like just how, like I do with the body of the company and the brand. Yeah, 100%. Because like even with myself, I have self-doubt that creeps in. I want to give up and quit sometimes. And with that solid foundation of why you're doing what you're doing and looking into longer vision, that's what fuels me through that. Uh, and if you don't have that solid foundation, that's where most people give up and quit. And I, and I see this all the time living in Los Angeles. In the film industry, you have tons of people that are moving to be actors or directors or screenwriters. And you de definitively can tell the people that are going to be successful versus the ones that aren't. And it's those people that have that underlying solid foundation of why they're doing what they're doing that will push them through and have the resilience to stick it out. I love that. Can you give me three things that you do every day that really help fuel you and help keep going so that you, when you do hit any doubt or wall or low energy, that it's, um, it's like your, your tools? Yeah. The one, one of the things that we've talked about that's been tremendously helpful is just breathing. Is that I, I learned probably a year ago that I've been breathing wrong the past like 30 years that would you know, cause a significant amount of drop in energy, mental clarity, stress, and anxiety. Uh, so that is, is definitely uh, one aspect. Uh, two is, is making sure that I'm constantly learning and challenging myself. Because if I'm not, I get bored very quick. I have to constantly be, be learning and pushing myself forward in, in order to, to really feel like I'm making progress, feel alive, and, and, and also to know that I'm helping people in the best way possible and giving them the best guidance and advice. And then I think three is really making sure that I'm getting my psychological needs met. We study a lot of human behavior, the subconscious, uh, and communication frameworks to not only help our clients effectively reach scale, but also to make sure that us as individuals, whether it's myself or my team members, are in a healthy place so that we can effectively do our jobs and reach the masses with the message. And I think that that oftentimes is very overlooked. I think it's becoming more and more prominent, but how can you make sure that you yourself are staying healthy, not just physically, but mentally, so that you can operate at the, the highest levels? So I'm always trying to put uh, certain um, practices into place or also connecting with mentors and advisors or people that I can express my frustrations or the things that I'm going through openly 
so that I can get the support that I need. And I can also be the support system for the clients and the team members that I work with. Thank you. I love that. I think that's so great to to be able to have the space to see what's working and always learning, always learning. I'm like you. Um, and, I, and, the, and honestly, the brain enjoys novelty. So we will feel more alive and more vibrant when we are learning, when we, and it can be something very small, like just reading, reading something or watching something or anything that is a little, like you said the back door, which was interesting. Cause I often say that when I'm teaching, I'm trying to go in through the back door because your brain sometimes puts up a little bit of a, a block. And if we go in the back door, the brain's like, Oh, this is different. This is new. I'm going to pay attention. And especially with movement patterns, just like habits, we just do them enough that we don't even know what we're doing. So we do have to, um, it's like code ourselves, saturate ourselves with newness, freshness, um, so that the brain is, is readily receptive to it. Any last points or uh, quotes or anything you'd like to leave us with? And also tell us where we can find you, where everyone out there can find you, my listeners. Yeah. So I, I think the last piece of advice is, and we talked about it a little bit, but constantly be testing. If something doesn't work, it presents an opportunity to learn. And the people that are really successful constantly test and iterate to find their way through things. Is People get so stuck, again, in believing in a certain direction or a certain idea. And if it doesn't work, they just keep pushing in that same direction without rethinking, is there a better path? Is there a better way to connect with people in a meaningful way? So... Again, we live in this world where we can test things within hours, in some cases, minutes, and embrace that. And if something doesn't work, don't let that deter you. Don't let that bring you down. Just learn from it and go in a new direction and, and keep iterating. Uh, if people want to connect, uh, there's they can go... If they want to talk to a team member uh, of how we can help them differentiate themselves, they can go to hookpointstrategy.com uh, and schedule a, time, uh, a time with one of our team members. Uh, or they can just check out the book Hook Point or One Million Followers. Uh, if they want to check out the Hook Point book, they can just go to hookpoint.com. If they want the One, one Million Followers, they can go to book.onemillionfollowers.com. And then do you have your own website or do you have just individual websites for all of them? Yeah, my website's uh, brendanjkane.com and my Instagram's at brendankane. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I know you have a lot going on and I just appreciate and value all that you offered me and then all that you're offering the people who are listening. Please check out Brendan Kane. I can really vouch for the fact that I have talked with lots of marketing quote unquote teams and um, he is just so far ahead of all of them. No offense to them, but you're just, you know, you're doing it and you, and it's because like you, all the things you said, you're, you're always working the wheel, always learning and providing that um, content for all of us. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a true pleasure getting to connect with you and everybody that's listening as well. Yes. And so for everyone out there, as always, I am pulling for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.